you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Coming up on Total Access, the locker room. Coach Singletary, right? I remember the game. You know, we all remember the game, you know, where he kind of threw you out of the game. Yeah, that moment. I'd rather play with 10 guys than to play with someone that's all about himself. I want winners. I told brother. Can't win with them. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson alongside Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick. Coach, what's going on? Doing good, man. Digging out of all this snow. I know. That's right, man. Well, guys, we're here to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're talking to my fellow San Francisco teammate and a guy I came into the league with, Vernon Davis. And he is going to talk about how he is a dominant blocker, how he became a dominant blocker, and how our long snapper gave him some of the best um, coaching uh, advice that he could have ever, ever got. Yeah, we're going to find out that he's a true renaissance man. There's a lot to Vernon Davis that a lot of people don't know. And here he is. And, Coach, uh, this is one of my favorite human beings in the whole world, a good friend of mine, a former tight end for the San Francisco 49ers and the Washington football team, my good friend, Vernon Davis. Vernon, welcome to the show, big dog. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Now, now, look, Vernon, I can already hear it in your voice. I can already hear it, okay? This ain't no, this ain't the total access on TV. This is the podcast, okay? No political answers. Go all in. Let You know, let's hear about Vernon Davis. So, look, check this out. We start every, every episode with a locker room story, Vernon, okay? You know you my homie, all right? Watch what you saying on my podcast about me, dog, okay? All right, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you don't qualify it that way. <laughs> let's, see, let's see your locker room story, big dog. <laughs> my favorite locker, let me see my favorite moment in the locker room. Um, gosh, I'm going to have to say, um, that's a good one, man. I can go so many directions with that. Yeah, and man, anything. For 14 years, it's just, I'd, I'd like to say, I'd like to go with, some of the pranks that we played back in the day uh, when I came in in 2006, right? We There was a lot of uh, hazing going around. I won't get into all that, but the but the pranks, what, one of my favorite pranks is when I put itching powder in about 10 guys' uh, shoes with cleats when oh. they, they went out. Oh, I mean, that, was, that was a good one because everyone was outside. They were, they were taking their cleats off. They couldn't understand what was going on. It was just, it was amazing. It was yeah. You, you now, know how did they get you back? Yeah. How did they get you back? Oh, they got me back. I, I think one. Well, it was Brandon. Uh, Brandon Williams. He put a snake in my locker. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, it was a snake. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the next year, uh, Vernon, somebody ended up putting Ben Gay or something in Patrick Willis's uh, jock strap, and you know he was a nine on seven, and he couldn't. He just couldn't get himself together. You know what I'm saying, Coach? <laughs> um, some things never. I'm an old man, okay, and I played back and, and being around players. Something. Some things never change, right? No, it's the right? same old stuff. Ben it's, Gay it's, and itching powder. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always like that. But uh, Vernon, man, let, let's get into it, man. You know, the, the, the tight end position, I want to start there, man. Like, 
we came in in 2006. You were the first uh, draft pick for the San Francisco 49ers at the time. I was in the fourth round. You know, I, mean, I remember seeing you crying and everything, you know what I mean, getting drafted fifth or sixth overall, something like that. Um, I always tell people that, t- to me, you were one of those hybrid guys that helped transcend the position. What's the state of the tight end position now in your, in your eyes, and, and what's the future for the tight end position? I think right now you want to you want to make sure you have that that tight end like kind of like Kittle. He's uh, he can do it all. He's uh, multi he's dimensional, very multi dimensional. He can he can block. He can catch passes. I mean he can read routes, and that's what you want to do. You want a tight end that can create havoc for their opponents. Um, yeah, a lot of teams are going with linebackers who who can run and and do some great things, mm-hmm. but. If you got, if you have a guy like Kittle, and he can, uh, you can, you can do a lot of different things. You can, you can flex him out wide. You can put him in a slot. You can put him in the backfield. Yeah, you can just, you can be very creative with that kind of uh, tight end. And that's what we're, that's what we're looking at nowadays. And and that's where I can continue. I can see the, the the future of tight ends continuing to be that of of Kittle. It fits the mode of him. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to have Shannon Sharp, who who and obviously a great down the field guy. But Shannon will point out very quickly. He said, "Wait a minute, now I'm a pretty good blocker now. I block for two two thousand yard rushers mm-hmm. now, and Jamal Lewis and 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 Terrell Davis. Talk a little bit about as a guy speed down the field, and that's what they're counting you on. But at some point, you got to be an inline guy, and you got to get it done a little bit different. That you know, yep. you're not going to overpower people necessarily, even though you're really strong upper body. Talk about how you have to, you know, approach it differently as a tight end when you're one of those kind of guys. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, like I said before, you want to make sure you can do it all. You know, you want a tight end that can block because, you know, there, there, there'll be some games where you have to stay in and you maybe catch one or two passes, right? Because the coaches are expecting you to stay in line and, and, and block on the line. You have to be, there's some big guys up front. I mean, I remember when I was in San Francisco and the very first, when I first got drafted, we played against the Oakland Raiders. It was it was a playoff game. No, preseason game. Yeah, I'm about and to say it won't play off. I had to go against Warren Sapp, and he, oh, he, he <laughs> let me have it, Michael. I mean, you yeah. were there, so you probably yeah. Have it. <laughs> yeah, that's when I, that's when I had my wake up call. I was like, these guys, are, this is no joke. I mean, he, he was fast. They're fast. They're they're big. They're strong. So, being able to block is definitely a bonus because you're you're going to be called to do it, and it's just mm-hmm. something you have to do, even now, if you now, don't want to. Now, Coach, yeah. Vernon's being modest right now. I, I'm just being honest with you, okay? I don't know if Vernon remembers there was a time in 07 or 08 we were, on, this, we were on, on the field and you were telling me how our long snapper, Brian Jennings at the time, taught you how to block half a man. And that literally right. f- helped you from a mental standpoint dominate opponents. Could go into that a little bit. And, 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 okay. and I remember – uh, running the football sometimes, and you're having fun pushing people onto the ground, dog. Like you, like you were amazing with it. And obviously, you you know, obviously you have physical ability, but there was a te- you, you there, there was a technical part to your blocking. Yeah. So so Brian, I, I like that you touched that because uh, Brian was one of those guys who really he was very um, he was a big piece of my some of the success that I had. Uh, mm-hmm. He always taught me. He said once you if you look at a guy right, you look at his body. You, you put a line right down his body and you take half his body, then you can push him the way you need him to go. You know, mm-hmm. all of your all of your strength and all of your body on one side of one half of a man, I mean, you're going to win. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you're going to win, no doubt about it. 
And once I started to, once it started to really hit me, I started to really uh, put it all together and it all made sense for me. I said, I'm going to do this every time I'm going to reach. When I, when I have a reach block, I'll make sure that I get them, you know, get them, get on them fast so that I can get mm-hmm. my, all of my body on one half of his body. Now, how I, but we get like Mike likes to say, say, let's get real here a little bit. Cause I know, you know, fullbacks are a dying breed. Guys yes. like our man, Mike Rob here just, and, and I love a fullback oriented offense. I love a tight end oriented offense, but I also know when you have a big fullback like Michael Robinson, and, and you have a good tight end, and you're going to run that power, or you're going to run that ice or lead, that there's a lot of times, how many times did Mike Rob just run right up your backside and hit you in the back of the head, trying don't to blow a hole, because you're trying to pick a side, and he and does it, and he just smacked you right in the back of the head. How many times did that happen? Probably nine times out of ten, Coach. Yeah. Oh, okay. right. I just hey, wanted coach. to make sure we were clear here. Hey, hey, Coach, look, I was a former quarterback, okay? I had not lined up in the eye, ran the football. I remember I first mini camp me and Vernon we, we were running around like like chickens with our heads cut off man I mean the <laughs> North Turner's verbiage remember Vernon he kept us out there for hours afterwards man just running routes running routes running routes but I want to ask you about one of the other former coaches man I was both of our former coach coach Singletary right I remember the game you know we all remember the game you know where he kind of threw you out of the game talk about that game and how that changed um, kind of, you know, your approach to the football game, your approach to this game of football, because I remember we were playing Seattle and we were just getting the you-know-what beat out of us, man. We were terrible, <laughs> Vernon. I ain't going to go into how bad we were, Coach. But uh, we were bad. And Vernon just was messing around and Coach went off on him. Just, just, just talk about how that moment kind of really catapulted your career. Yeah, that moment. I'd rather play with 10 guys <laughs> than to play with someone that's all about himself. I want winners. I told Vernon. <laughs> Can't win with them. Nope. Uh, uh, can't coach it. Can't do it. I'm from the old school. I believe this. I would rather play with 10 people and just get penalized all the way until we got to do something else rather than play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. I told him that he would do a better job for us right now taking a shower and coming back and watching the game than going out on the field. That was a great moment for me, man. I, you know, I can make fun of that all the time, anytime. He was really an integral piece in my life, and I say that because as a young guy, you you think of it, Mike. You you come into this league and you think you know it all. You think you have all the all the answers, but you have to learn to be a leader. You can't just step in and say, "Hey, I'm going to be a leader." You have to go through different things in your life. And when I came in the league, it was all about you. Know, I felt like. It, in a sense, it was all about me. You know, I, I wanted to catch touchdowns. I wanted to, I wanted to catch the ball. I wanted everything to fall on me. But I had to look around and say, hey, there's, there's other men on this team. And in order for me to be, be a leader, they have to respect me. And how can I get them to respect me is by putting them first. And once I learned that, my career started to catapult. I took off and I, I listened to Coach Singletary. And, you know, he just helped me. He was that, I want to say he was that father figure that I was missing in my life. And, you know, for him to step in and be able and do that and see, that means he believed in me and he knew that I had the potential to do some great things in the NFL. And, um, you know, I just took his coaching. I respected yeah. him. And most importantly, I listened. Yeah. Well, I, I brought Mike into the coaching profession. He was uh, wanting to get back into coaching and he had reached out. And so I, I gave him his first job. It was a natural fit because I needed someone to, to coach Ray Lewis. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine that room, Mike yeah. Singletary and Ray Lewis. Too. But, you know, it was interesting. And, and, and I love the chance to visit with you because one of the things that Mike had to learn as a coach mm-hmm. was – Mike would get very frustrated with players very quickly because they didn't have this level of passion that he thought. I yeah. thought, Mike, 
you know, with all due respect, I don't know there's a lot of human beings on the face of the earth walking around that have the passion that you have, that steely eyed. So you got to you got to judge the scale a little bit here as you're dealing with them and not get frustrated because they don't quite bring it to that level that, that, that he famously made the Hall of Fame. Mm, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, 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 and really, what role do you think you play personally, Vernon? I'm going to go back to this tight end thing. What role do you think you played personally in the ascent of the tight end? Because, again, you ran a sub 4-4. Mm-hmm. Coach, 250 pounds, you ran a sub 4-4. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not going to go into your hands when I first seen your hands when you first started catching the ball. I ain't going to go into that. But, <laughs> yeah, ball beating them up, Coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just, just talk about where you play in this story of the tight end story in the National Football League. Yeah, I think um... – you know, just having that speed, I've always relied on my speed. And and that's one thing I had to learn once I got into the NFL. Um, having a coach like Norm Turner, he was like, Vernon, you have you can't just rely on your speed all the time. You have to be creative. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. get, turn your shoulder to get around guys when you're releasing from the line. You have to, you know, just create the separation. Like when you get to the top of your route, you know, you can give a little move at the top. I was just running around guys because I was so fast. But I had to learn that. I had to learn that. But the speed, my speed has always been – the biggest part of my game. I say speed, then learning uh, how to run routes later on in my career. Yeah, but I think that's the biggest part, you know, just that speed, man. You you can't coach speed. That's something you have yeah. to be born with, and mm-hmm. that's something I've always been blessed with. And quarterbacks love – I mean, that's why tight ends are the quarterback's <laughs> favorite mm-hmm. target because that's usually the best mismatch on the field. Mm-hmm. Whether linebacker and you're going to be faster, they probably put a safety. You know, you can be more physical and whatever. The one thing you didn't get, and I'd like because you you alluded to, you, you know, Travis Kelsey's been spectacular, um, and some of the great tight ends we've had, uh, Gronk and and Brady, they've been together a long time. They create that. You didn't really have that latitude, you know, to develop with one guy. You had to adapt to a lot of different quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you know what? I didn't notice. I didn't pay attention to that until later on, you know, how important it was to have a quarterback. But, you know, I believed in Alex's organization. San Francisco 49ers organization believed in him. So I just wanted to, you know, I was just cool with what I had. You know, I had to stick with him mm-hmm. because he was my quarterback. I didn't want to say, hey, bring in another quarterback. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, maybe, I, you know, I didn't have that opportunity to just stay consistent with a quarterback. Right. I remember that year when Alice got hurt. Oh, we went through so many different quarterbacks. We even brought yeah. Chris Winkie in. Remember, remember <laughs> I remember Winkie. that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I was the backup. Memo Vernon, I think yeah, some passes yeah, yeah. at practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that season was rough, man. Chris, Chris Winkie, Trent Dilford, TJ. Yes. Uh, uh, did we have TJ Sullivan? Uh, O'Sullivan. Uh, O'Sullivan uh, a few years later, yeah. Yes, Mike Moss brought him over. Yeah. Then Alex Smith. I mean, we went through so many. And then we had, um, what's my guy named? Evans. Um, the, the guy with that he had the cornrows in his head. Um, I can't remember his name, but Evans from from California. I, I mm-hmm. can't remember his name, but we had him. I mean, we went through so many different quarterbacks, man. And Ver- uh, Vernon, go, going back to go, talking about your San Francisco times, like what happened, bro? Like, all right, I left. I remember leaving in 2010. You know, and going to Seattle, and then we, we kind of developed this rival. You guys had Harbaugh. Pete Carroll had just kind of cemented himself. We went to the playoffs in 2010. And it was this – I mean, it was the – Coach, you remember, it was the best football in in, in all of it, the National Football League, that, that NFC West rival. You guys went to the Super Bowl in 2013. We lost uh, to Atlanta in the divisional round. I remember calling you and Patrick on the – you know, saying, man, I wish we could have got to you guys. Mm-hmm. What happened, man, because – 
it looked like that team was on an was on an ascent. It looked like you guys would be around for five years, and then it, it was a Super Bowl, and then maybe the playoffs, and then the, the, the team was dismantled. In your eyes, what happened? Yeah, I think when you get to a situation where you had you have success, everyone starts to guys can change. You know, it's hard to keep the locker room mm-hmm. together because we feel like even though we didn't win it, we still like, feel like we we made it somewhere and people saw us and they, they respect us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have guys asking for more money and then you have all kinds of stuff happening like that, man. And then the upper management, they have to deal with it. So then they start moving pieces around, you know, you get a lot of egos flaring and, mm-hmm. and all that. And then I know uh, there was a situation with Harbaugh, you know, the team, you know, trying to figure out if they were going to keep Harbaugh or not. So there, there was just a lot of, lot of different pieces there that kind of uh, made it, um, it was it was sort of a distraction for the team, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there was so much going on, and when you have that, you know, the team can fall. You can you can fall. Uh, there can be a lot of lot of things going on, you know, just you know, mostly on the inside. So it's uh, we just had a lot of that. A lot of, how, a lot of how, how good of a coach was Coach Harbaugh? Because it seemed oh. like it oh. seemed like as soon as he got there, y'all started winning. I mean, I was yeah. I was a little mad looking at y'all like, damn, I was just on that squad. Y'all cut me, then y'all want to start going to the playoffs. You know? Yeah, Harbaugh was amazing, man. He's <laughs> he cut me. <laughs> so Harbaugh's amazing. He's good at he's good at getting guys to do what he he to, to to do whatever it is that he needs, right? From him, right? He's a he's a player's coach. He he knows how to to lead a team. He he know how to get you to follow. And that's what we did. We respected him. We knew that he had the formula to help us win games. And if you think about it, all the all the pain that we suffered from not winning, you know, all the yeah. ups and downs and, you know, the different quarterbacks coming in. So if you got a guy coming in like that, you can only, I mean, you want to pay attention to him because that's what we play for. The only reason why we play this game is to make it to a championship, right? Mm-hmm. And when, you, when you're able to, you know, walk into a team, you already have the talent. I mean, because we already had the talent. Yeah. You know, he just had to add to it, right? So we had the talent. Now we needed someone to bring the best out of us. And Harbaugh was good at that. I remember the day he came out and he was dressed in full pads, man. He was going out there with the twos and he was playing quarterback. He was dropping back. I mean, that kind of energy is infectious. We saw that. We was like, oh, yeah, we can we can go with this guy. We can ride with this dude. Talk, talk to us about your acting, man. Yeah, Come I want to hear about this. Come on, man. I, you know, hey, coach, I've seen a lot of tears from this dude, man. i seen him cry when he first got drafted. He cried when he caught the catch. <laughs> and, so, you know, and then, uh-huh. yeah, real so emotional he's, guy. He's doing romantic comedies now or what? I, all <laughs> of that, man. Talk about your lead in Red Winter, man. What, what's going on with that, big dog? Yeah, so when I retired, I decided to um, – I decided to to walk right into uh, to acting because it's always been a passion of mine. I went to school at the Shelton Theater of Art where I had an opportunity to study the craft. I was an art studio major at the University of Maryland. So as soon as I retired, I walked into a movie with, that I executive and executive produced and produced called Red Winter. Then I had another one that I produced called Message from Bri- Brianna. I just finished doing a movie with John Malkovich. Uh, what? Man. What? Yeah. yeah. yeah Come on. Hey, Vernon. Put me on, bro. (laughs) There's got to be some alien or something like that, right? I mean, you can put me on somewhere, man. (laughs) Yeah. So I just I just finished doing a movie with him and uh, um, uh, who else was in it? Um, uh, Thomas Mann, me, Thomas Mann, John Malkovich. Yeah, it's it's a great cast, man. It's it's a great cast. It's a um, dark comedy uh, thriller. sci-fi and uh yeah it'll be out it'll probably come out around june it's, i can't wait for you guys to see it man i played yeah, a guy named great. david reese who takes care of zoo turtles um so that was my only job all right 
<laughs> Yo, is, is there a sports store you just want to you want to like be CB made? I, I know you got a production company and all that. Like if you could tell a sports story um, out there, what would be a story that you that that you want to that you want to tell? You know, I don't. I think uh, I think I, so. I have a good script that I wrote called "Those Who Move Us." It's a script about my life. My, pretty much my story. It'll be a biopic or based on. Uh, I have about 90-something pages ready to go, so that's my next. Wow. Big, oh, wow. Great. Yeah. That's my next big production that I'll put out uh, between now and next year. I actually wrote a movie with one of my uh, partners named Arlene. Arlene, she's she's ama- Arlene Levine. Uh, she's uh, she's amazing. Her husband did a lot of great things. He did Hercules. Uh, he was a part of um, Oblivion. Yeah, so I got a lot of things from the creative, st- creative standpoint that's, uh, that's going, so yeah, just putting it all together. Then I have a production. I'm a, a co-founder in a company called Players TV, which is all sports content. So yeah, you hear man, this, I, coach? Do I you hear on, this, dude? I, I know this. I and, and, on and on, man. In the I, content space, man, it's just. It's I want to hear. Awesome. I want to hear about Dancing with the Stars and why the cha cha was so difficult. What, 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 <laughs> I mean, that's got, that got you bumped. Why? You're a great athlete. What? What could you not get? Because he got two left feet. That's what it is. Man. You know. You know what, coach? I just let me tell you something, man. It was. Dancing is totally different than anything oh, I've ever I'll done. Bet. Oh my gosh. And then you're talking six hours a day. You're just up on really? your feet training. And you know, in football, we get a chance to rest. We go out for two hours <laughs> most. And then we go in, we get our massages and everything. But man, I couldn't do that with the dancing, man. I'm always moving my body around. You know? It was tough like that, bro. For oh, real. It was tough. And I think the toughest thing about Cha Cha coaches is that I'm stiff. That's why I lost. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> Dang, bro, that's crazy. Yeah. It was yeah. I, I, so. Like, did it really require you to put the effort in like you did on the football field? Oh yes, I would say really? so. <laughs> yeah, because you got to think because you you get five days, Michael, to to perfect this this dance. And then, you know, for football, you know, we're such we're we're uh, perfectionists. So yeah. we're going to put everything that we can to make sure we go out and, and not look silly. Right. So mm-hmm. that's all I'm thinking. I'm like, gosh, I'm thinking like game day. You thinking like football. Right. You like, OK, I got to I got to put as much work as I can. I got to feel prepared. I like to feel prepared before I go out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was, man. And and you just working, man. Then I found myself when I got home, I was still up until like 1 a.m. Just working on the craft, just working on the moves because I wanted to go out and do a really good job, even though it was something that I wasn't accustomed to. I still yeah, wanted yeah. to do a great job. Right? Yeah, you wanted to you yeah. wanted to show out, man. Yeah. So before before we let you go, man, last question: Vernon Davis Foundation. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of players out here doing great things in the community. You you've been down here to Richmond to help me and my community a few times. Uh, talk about what what the Vernon Davis Foundation is doing uh, to help uh, people out in the, in the Bay Area and here uh, back in the DMV area. Yeah, so when I started out, we'll give you the background. So I started out with Vernon Davis Foundation for the Arts because I mm-hmm. went to school with for Art Studio. I wanted to give kids an opportunity to show their talent and express who they who who they are, you know, who, yeah. who they really are, what they stand for. And I found that just like myself, I found that a lot of kids were afraid to pursue the arts because they were afraid of people making fun of them. Mm-hmm. So we opened up Gallery 85 where kids could showcase their art Half of the proceeds will go back to them and half will go to the foundation. So when I got to Washington with the Washington football team in 2016, I decided to change it because I wanted to I, I changed it to Vernon Davis Foundation because I wanted to take a more holistic approach. I wanted to feed uh, feed the community. I wanted to give give back, to do get more, clo- get clothing, clothing, yeah. clothing drives. I wanted to continue to be a platform for the arts. I wanted to just reach a, a, a just a vast 
audience when it when it comes to uh, philanthropy, and that's what I did. I decided to do that, and since I've been in Washington, I've just been I've been feeding uh, the community. I've been giving back, partnering with different organizations, partnering with the Washington football team. It was it's just been awesome, man. That's awesome, Vernon. Well, yeah. you know what, man? Thank you for joining this week's Thank show, you. man. This, this was awesome, and honestly, bro, I haven't talked to you in a while. This is the first time, Coach, that him and I have talked yeah. in a long time. I'm glad to see you doing your thing, man. You are a totally different guy than what we were in 2006, some young little <laughs> hotheads that just got some money coming into the National Football League. Well, guys, that'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the Locker Room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.